Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, uh, I don't know if everybody's heard, but Tuesday is election day. What? I know. It's a big deal. It might, you might have heard of it. I'm not sure. Um, well, we are, um, our first guest today is... Uh, Super da- excited. Yes. Damian Shade from the Oklahoma Policy Institute. Good morning, Damian. Good morning. Well, we wanted to visit with you um, about State Question 805, which is a big one. We've seen ads everywhere. Um, People have heard about it, chatting about it. So we wanted to visit with you about it. Um, Before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it, can you kind of tell us what it is that you do for Oklahoma policy? Absolutely. So I'm what's called a criminal justice policy analyst, which is just a really long-winded way of saying I look for ideas to make Oklahoma's criminal justice system better. Um, Oklahoma Policy is a nonpartisan organization, um, so a lot of what we do is grounded in the notion of data um, Mm -hmm. and really trying to use the data and the evidence that we see um, happening in the system, the sort of statistical facts, Mm -hmm. um, and using those to try and ferret out what the best policy is to follow from those facts. Well, there are a few ideas to be had when it comes to criminal justice in Oklahoma. And we love facts. Yes. So, (laughs) and also before we get into it, you also used to be an educator. I did, yes. I was uh, at the Jinx School District in Tulsa Uh um, for almost 10 years. Um, Really enjoyed uh, working with middle school kids, mostly fifth and sixth graders. Bless you. Um, working with them and language skills and that sort of a thing. Yeah, oh, love loved my fifth and sixth graders. They oh. were they're real treasures. There yeah. is a special place in heaven for you, middle school folks. <laughs> I swear. Um, well, let's uh, so let's chat about eight oh five. Tell us sort of big picture. What does the state question do? So state question eight oh five. Um, would end what are called sentence enhancements for people convicted of nonviolent crimes. And that's a whole lot of jargon to basically say that in Oklahoma, we have this way to extend prison sentences beyond their mandate, beyond their maximum. Okay. So if, for example, a sentence range is two to 10 years, let's say a relatively wide sentence range, mm-hmm. you could have an, a person who has prior felony convictions. Um, so it's, it was kind of like a three strikes law um, when it came into effect, um, these sentence enhancements, where the idea is you have some prior offenses, and so it should be possible to incarcerate you for longer um, than the statutory maximum. Where people who are proponents of state question 805 make the argument that because Oklahoma has some of the longest um, criminal sentences in the United States mm-hmm. actually written into law, that you don't need um, sentence enhancements mm-hmm. um, to actually punish people for the crimes that they commit. So state question 805 would amend the Oklahoma Constitution to end the use of sentence enhancements for people convicted of nonviolent crimes. Now, the expression sentence enhancement, right, that's a lot of jargon. Um, Basically, a sentence enhancement means that people who are sentenced to prison can have their sentences extended if they have prior felony convictions. It was kind of like a three strikes law. Mm -hmm. And so... 
the well, when the sentence enhancements were created. So under state question 805, people convicted of nonviolent felonies could still receive the maximum sentence for a crime, but mm-hmm. they could not receive additional time beyond the maximum sentence. So if you have a prison range uh, for some whatever crime, crime X, nonviolent crime, um, if the range is two years to 10 years, then uh, sentence enhancements, that is that three strikes law, could give you the ability to um, sentence someone for longer mm. than 10 years. And the uh, the proponents of state question 805 say that because Oklahoma has some of the longest sentences in the United States, those criminal penalties aren't making us safer. Yeah. They're just filling our prisons with nonviolent offenders who really would do better with more treatment and more resources to mm-hmm. reduce crime, and that the prison sentences are just costing taxpayers money that aren't providing us benefit. Um, so that's kind of what State Question 805 does. And it was an idea that started really in 2017 um, with a justice reform task force under the previous governor. Um, and it was one of the recommendations of that task force that we get rid of these extra these extra sentences, particularly for nonviolent offenses. But I but this was wasn't this an initiative petition or did I make that up? It was right. Oh, this this is an initiative petition, but the idea for it originally came from a, um, as I said, a justice reform task force under the previous governor. So that task force produced a whole lot of recommendations, right? Oklahoma has a number of issues with our our criminal justice system. We, We are right now the incarceration capital, the prison capital of the world. The world. Um, According to the most recent Bureau of Justice Statistics. Um, we have the highest female incarceration rate in the world and have had that for 30 years now, uh, more than 30 years. We have the highest black incarceration rate in the nation um, with one in 15 adult black men, folks who look like me, um, incarcerated and one in 20 of all adult uh, black Oklahomans incarcerated. And so our incarceral system There have been lawmakers from conservative and liberal perspectives that have looked at it for the last really decade Mm -hmm. um, and tried to find solutions, constructive solutions to these problems, Um, because obviously being prison capital of the world isn't good advertisement for Oklahoma. Um, It's certainly not good for business. Um, It's probably not good for our communities and for our kids. Um, We want to be a state that is really being wise with the way that we use prison, right? Because prison is a tool. Um, so the, the proponents of state question 805 believe that these sentence enhancements are a bad way to use our prisons. Um, so opponents of state question 805, um, they believe that more incarceration is necessary to keep our state safe. Um, and so that's kind of the, the basic tension um, between the two sides. You know, I'm glad that you brought up it's not it is a community issue because this is not just about um, our the our, the Oklahomans who are in prison. Um, it according, affects families. According to the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy, at any time there are 26,000 Oklahoma children who have at least one parent in prison. Those are the kids in our classrooms, and they are living the consequences of that. Um, well. What a, there there has been uh, it's interesting to me to see the coalitions that have formed. Fascinating. I mean, it's because, just because because when I saw 
certain people on the one side coalition. I'm like, wait a minute, is this they, a trick question? They don't they don't like each other. What are we doing? What's happening? Like, yeah. <laughs> but what can you talk a little bit about what those um, who's supporting it? Who's opposing it? What are what are those sides look like? I mean, honestly, those coalitions aren't profoundly surprising yes. to some extent. <laughs> right. Um, because they're the same coalitions that existed in 2016 sure. to some extent. Sure. Um, around State Question 780, there's similar coexist, uh, coalitions that existed around medical marijuana uh-huh. uh, decriminalization. Um, and so we've seen a criminal justice coalition of certain faith organizations, mm-hmm. um, the Chambers of Commerce in some cases, um, organizations like Americans for Prosperity and OCPA are supportive, conservative organizations like them are supportive of State Question 805 um, on one side, and then we see the folks on the law enforcement and the prosecution side, the Sheriff's Association, mm-hmm. obviously the District Attorney's Council, sure. um, and then we've seen a lot of victims' advocates, um, folks in the domestic violence space, um, have some of them have been opposed to State Question 805. But I will say there isn't absolute hegemony. Right. Mm. Um, I my one of my co-workers spouses um, actually works for a domestic violence um, support group, Divis, uh, here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And she's very supportive of State Question 805. Mm-hmm. So I want to be careful to make sure that we don't describe any groups as monolithic. Right. Um, there are district attorneys that oppose State Question 805 very vehemently. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of their organizations do. And there are district attorneys like Alan Grubb. Um, who support State Question 805. So I think I think there's actually a more complex coalition for this state question um, than we might expect um, for something that is really this important um, in the state of Oklahoma, with which direction Oklahoma's criminal justice system will go in the next decade. Because honestly, that's what's on the ballot here. Yeah. Um, what type of a criminal justice system will the state of Oklahoma have for the next 10 years? That's the question um, with state question 805. So what happens so what happens if it if it passes? Will it automatically go into effect? Is it something that goes into the effect effect in the future? Will it change sentencing immediately? How does that how does that happen afterward? So if State Question 805 passes, it would go into effect. It would become part of the Constitution immediately, um, and it would make those some of those clauses retroactive um, to the oh, changing, which is I just another way of saying that there are people who have been incarcerated under these laws um, who might be able to seek some relief. Um, so meaning they might be able to shorten their probation sentence, they might be able to shorten their prison sentence um, to some extent. But again, these are only nonviolent offenders, mm-hmm. um, and really the vast, vast majority of them are nonviolent drug and property um, crime offenders. We've done statistical analysis that shows it's about 25,000 people um, in the last decade that have been incarcerated in Oklahoma for nonviolent drug and property crimes that are more than 80 percent of the population of people who will be uh, affected by this. So this is by and large a drug and property offense um, situation. And so it it is the question of how Oklahomans feel Mm -hmm. about people struggling with addiction. 
Mm-hmm. What is the best way, the best strategy for us to reduce addiction and to reduce the harmful family effects, um, the harmful economic effects, the harmful community effects that we see around struggles with addiction? That really is this issue um, because you see large numbers. And, and I think the, the issue around women um, is, is such an important way to see it because we are the highest female incarcerator in the nation. Um, we have an incarceration rate that right now is three times the national average for women. Um, oh my word. We know that nearly 70% of the women in our state prisons are, for example, victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And that the vast majority of those women are incarcerated because they were struggling with addiction which means that these long prison sentences, it's one of the arguments that I've heard from several folks on the yes side, these long prison sentences are disproportionately hurting thousands of domestic violence survivors Mm. um, who are themselves being incarcerated for some of the longest prison sentences in the nation because we let our system work this way. Um, And so I think on the on the opposite side, if state question 805 becomes law um, and we actually get the system, I think what concerns a lot of folks on the no side is the feeling um, that they are really focused on the idea that domestic violence um, folks and folks in those spaces should serve more time than they're serving now. And I think where the data kind of lands on that question, right, once we implement this, is right now the average domestic violence offender is serving significantly less time um, than the statutory maximum. So I think what uh, uh, what proponents of state question number five would say is we need to have what you know we used to call truth in sentencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to sentence these these offenders who are committing you know what we would describe as more serious offenses. Um, we need to sentence them higher on the ranges because right now we have sentence enhancements and um, we don't see the types of impacts on crime um, that I think a lot of tough on crime sort of advocates mm-hmm. would say that we should see. There are many states in the United States that actually see significantly lower crime rates than Oklahoma with significantly shorter prison sentences because they've invested more in treatment and more in resources for kids and more in diversion to help people when they get in trouble with the law, get out of jail um, and get their lives better, more in economic development and training um, for people when they need to find job skills and those sorts of things. States that have made those investments have seen the most precipitous declines in their crime rates in the past 20 years. And the states that haven't made those investments, like Oklahoma, um, have seen have seen some declines in our crime rates. Um, like the like the entire nation, crime rates are down um, from their heights in the '90s, super dramatically for a large host of public policy reasons and technology reasons um, that have kind of changed our culture and our communities. So the question, I mean, the question that's really on the ballot is that question. Do we believe that longer prison sentences make us safe? Um, the data seems to suggest that that is not true, um, that longer prison sentences don't make us safer, since Oklahoma has, you know, 78% longer prison sentences than everyone else in the nation. Hypothetically, we should have the lowest crime rates in the nation. Um, but that is not the case. 
And so the data seems to suggest that sentence enhancements are not giving us much for the money. Um, and according to the reports from the yes um, side of the coalition, we could save about $200 million um, annually making state question 805 law. We, so if we, can think we do of some things. implemented, there's a whole stream of effects um, that we'll see in the system that if you believe longer prison sentences are good um, and helpful, you probably don't want to see those those effects throughout the system. And if you believe that the data shows that longer prison sentences are not helpful, um, then then you will be really hopeful to see the impacts of state question 805. I mean, we can think of a couple things to do with $200 million in state money. Right. I mean, I'm just... Just what? throwing it out there. But I mean, I've got some ideas. Yeah. But uh, the issues that you, I mean, uh, uh, every issue that you just described, these are issues that we see manifest in the classroom. Absolutely. Education is not in a bubble. We say it right. all the time. Right. You know, when, when families are suffering, that includes the children. Right. And the children are in our classrooms. Right. Well, it's, it's going Maybe. to go, um, go ahead, Damien. Oh, all I was going to say is I, I always like to say when a child's parent is arrested, either another relative takes that child, which changes, you know, the composition of that family in ways that could be economically difficult, um, perilous for the kid, um, and negative in lots of ways, or um, an incarcerated parent will be granted what's called temporary garden, guardianship status, where 10% of kids, um, and more than that, depending on what part of the state you're talking about, who are in the foster care system, 7 to 10% um, have parents who are incarcerated, um, and those folks are in state custody. So mm. when we incarcerate people, it's something that, I really hope the public gets their minds around. Mm -hmm. There's a whole room full of costs. There's a bill sure. that we're sure. sending the Oklahoma taxpayers. Um, we're spent sending a bill to the foster care system, right? We're sending mm -hmm. a bill to the system um, that helps with child welfare, uh, probably sending a bill um, to all sorts of social safety net programs that mm -hmm. didn't exist before. And the question that I always ask about incarceration is it worth the bill? Is the cost, is the value of this incarceration worth the cost of this incarceration? Mm. Um, and that to me seems like the critical issue that we should be asking, not just for adults, but for the kids mm. um, who are also downstream affected by all of this. Well, it will be very interesting to see what Oklahomans decide on Tuesday. I mean, there, there. I, I think, I think that the way you described it is so spot on. It will, it will be a message of how we, as a state, view incarceration, and I think the outcome will be, it will be very interesting to watch. I'm anxious to see how it goes. I, I think it could go either way. I'm very interested to see. Yeah, and this was a fantastic conversation where people can hear the story on both sides and mm -hmm. and and the history behind it, and and um, hopefully help them make up their mind on what side of the issue they're on. Right. I, I, it has been fascinating. Thank you, Damien. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you all. Now we're joined by Tressa Smith, a, a poll worker out in Canadian County, who is also a former educator. Good morning, Tressa. Good morning. Um, well, first of all, before we start talking poll stuff, let's talk education. So tell us, uh, you, you used to be a teacher and an OEA member. What did you teach? 
Uh, I was an elementary teacher, and I taught science and math, and later then went on to become a middle school principal. Oh, wait, middle school. God bless you. Um, <laughs> yes. So let's, uh, so now you are, you are a poll worker. Um, let's talk a little bit about election day coming up. It, uh, I mean, all election days are important, but boy, howdy, this is a big one. Um, yes, ma'am. So you are, so tell us about who, what are, who are the poll workers that everybody will see at their polling places? There are usually oh, several. Oh, right. Um, no matter the size of your polling place, you will have probably a minimum of three poll workers. I serve in the capacity as the inspector, and the inspector is somebody who picks up all of the supplies at the, at the election board, brings them out and gets everything set up, and ultimately is responsible for returning everything. Okay. And during the voting process is there just to make sure things are going along as needed. And they are the person, if you need like a, let's say you need a provisional ballot or something for some reason, that's the person that would take care of that. There's also okay. going to be a judge, which is the person who checks all the voter ID as you mm. come in. That's the mm -hmm. first person you're going to probably talk to or interact with. And then you'll go to the clerk and the clerk is the one who actually distributes the ballots or any, any other information that the uh, voter might need. So in, uh, I'm thinking about my poll workers that are always that have been the same gals since I have lived in my house for 15 years. Same gals every time. Right. Um, are you right? Guys, do you guys usually go to the same place? Is that I mean, does it become your like spot for our election day? Typically, yes. Typically, you uh, get assigned to a location. And um, fun fact: I don't. <laughs> I think it's a fun fact. They like to have people of of differing um, political affiliations represented oh, yeah. at each polling place. Awesome. So uh, that's the other reason that we're assigned to certain locations. So the mm -hmm. polling place that I actually work in is not the one that I would vote in, but they okay. needed me and was I willing to move somewhere else? And I, absolutely I was Yeah. Uh, because of my political affiliation to keep things all diverse. And so um, I work there with two other people and that's typically where I will stay unless I make a request for a move or, or I'm needed somewhere else. So, I mean, so, when you go to the, when you go to the polling, when you go to vote, I mean, these are people from your County. They're, they're uh, your fellow Oklahomans, regular folks. Are they? Absolutely. Um, I mean, these are your neighbors, maybe not where you vote, but also, I mean, you're in Canadian yeah. County and you vote in Canadian County they're and. They're all from, from your community. In fact, the polling place I work at is in my same community. It's just the other polling location that needed, yeah. needed assistance. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. These are people oftentimes that you'll know by face, if not by name, when they come yeah. in. And um, maybe you go to church with them. Maybe you see them at the grocery, whatever. But, yes, we're just like regular citizens that are concerned about the process and want to make sure that the that the process is honored and uh, proud to be an American. So you just you just volunteer and go in and uh, help out in any way you can. And and so how do, how do you make that place a safe space for everybody so that there's not, you know, I've I've already seen um, stories on Facebook uh, of of uh people wearing uh, political masks or a shirt or a hat or something like that. So, Right. Well, the rule is, or the law, I should say, 
is that within 300 feet of the ballot box, there should be no electioneering. And electioneering could be a pin, it could be a hat, it could be, like you said, a mask, a flag, a sign. Uh, any sundry of things could be considered electioneering. Even discussing within the polling site who you're voting for or who you voted for is considered electioneering. And that can also even be I'm voting yes or I'm voting no. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to exactly mean a candidate. Right. So um, we as polling place folk will always try to remind people that that is uh, not appropriate and illegal. Uh but we are not the long arm of the law. And so ultimately, then we would have to, if somebody refused to comply or became belligerent, we would obviously have to then engage law enforcement to help us because we have so many other things that we are responsible for. And we want the integrity of the election election to yeah. remain stable, that we would uh, have to have the law enforcement help us with the situation that arose. And I I pray nothing like that happens at any of these locations. Yeah. I hope that I know that people are, are charged and they are are very excited about this election. Mm-hmm. And that it's, we're living in historic times. And I understand yeah. that. But we also all need to be respectful of the law right. and respectful of one another. And and so um, poll, poll workers are essentially volunteers. I mean, you get a Penance. We do get a stipend, <laughs> but let me assure you that from, you know, it, it's a, it runs around $100 depending on what county you're in because uh-huh. it is a county-by-county county decision on how much poll workers are paid. But if you okay. think about an election like this one, and you know how long the polls are open, and we are not right. allowed to leave at all. You must remain at your polling location. And everybody who is in line when the polls close is going to be allowed to vote. So your day could literally be a 20-hour day from the time that you get everything set up and and whatever. And then everybody gets an opportunity to vote. And then you have to do the close-down procedures and then drive all of your materials to the election board and and wait in that line to make sure that they're dropped off and everything is handled appropriately could easily end up being a 20-hour day. So, so don't, uh, don't do the math. For don't do the math. Day, <laughs> It'll just get, yeah, don't do the math. It's like being an educator. <laughs> right. Don't do the math. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, um, so show kindness to your poll workers. I mean, if, yeah. if, the, if it's running a little bit long, you know, our poll workers Absolutely. are under stress too. I mean, here's a couple of uh, reminders that I would like for people to be aware of that there are sample ballots available to you at okvoterportal.okelections.us. And if you will go on there, it will pull up what your exact ballot is going to look like when you arrive at your polling location. Therefore, you could go ahead and make a plan and know exactly how you're going to vote and what it's going to look like so that that will make things run a little more systematically and Mm -hmm. streamlined so that you're not actually having to read verbatim and try to comprehend, like, for example, the state question or something like that. And also just to remind yourself that there are a lot of folks on the ballot that maybe you've never even ever heard their names, or you might be surprised that there's more than two people running for president of the United States on the Oklahoma ballot. So you need to go ahead and go on there if you have an opportunity and, uh, availability to Wi-Fi and whatever, and take a look at that, because that will help things run a lot smoother 
when you're there at the polling location. Because there is, and just so another so reminder is the fact that this selection being so large, for a variety of reasons, there's going to be a lot of brand new poll workers, and we encourage you to please be patient with them. Yeah. And understand that this is baptism by fire. This is the very no first time they've ever worked an election, and this is going to be a historically large election, maybe the largest one of our lifetime. And a lot of us that work the polls are older girls, <laughs> older ladies. Mm-hmm. So um, please be patient with us because we want to make sure that we don't make mistakes and that we do everything right. So you mentioned you mentioned a lot of poll workers are, um, are seniors. Yes. Let, I mean, let's talk about the pandemic. I mean, I, I when I I have thought about the the gals who work my precinct who are amazing, yes. and all of them are retirees, and it's made me a little concerned. You know, I just want them to be safe, and um, so I yes. don't know if I'll if if they'll be there on election day. I already voted, but I won't see them. But I don't know if they'll be there. Have you guys had a problem getting your regular folks to? Um, to work we do historically uh it has always been uh females of a certain age have been the majority of folks that have run polling locations in our area and um you know they're not only them but their families are very concerned about them and their safety and understandably so and sadly every time a big election comes up we are reminded that some of our poll workers are no longer with us mm-hmm. because, like I said, they're older folks sure. and a variety of things happen and life happens. And so um, that, it, that has been a very hard thing to make decisions about whether they're going to move forward with working at the polls or not work at the polls. Uh, we are being issued a face shield and gloves and masks and we are strongly encouraging everyone who comes in to please wear their mask however as you know we cannot require it but just out of courtesy for those of us that are working and coming in contact with hundreds if not thousands of people in a day because of the amount of folks that are coming out to vote please be courteous and and wear your mask it's just it makes everybody um, feel appreciated and uh, valued. So, for the love anyway, of biscuits, just, just wear a <laughs> flipping mask. I mean, yeah. come on, people! <laughs> it's just, just that easy. Just, it's just that easy. Oh, put it on <laughs> and turn, turn, turn your Biden or your Trump one inside out. Just come on, right? Um, right, exactly. So, so, um, my husband went to the. Uh, county election board to vote yesterday oh yeah and and stood in a line for about three and a half hours holy smokes why didn't he yeah. vote by mail uh well because he didn't request an absentee ballot oh okay. somebody else in the house requested <laughs> an absentee ballot and that said ballot was uh going to come to work and get notarized and yeah. uh sent in um on Monday, mm-hmm. and then we had an ice storm, and and so if somebody oh. has requested an absentee ballot, oh, good question, and um, right. and didn't use it, and and still needs to vote, how can they do that? Okay, there's a couple of ways because we will never turn anyone away, but it it will probably be noted that they requested that, mm. so they can bring their absentee ballot in person. 
and vote in person with their absentee ballot. If they don't bring their absentee ballot in and they want to come in and say that they definitely received it, but they did not take advantage of that opportunity, and now we're at this late date, they will be given a provisional ballot and still be given the opportunity to to vote there at their precinct. Okay. okay. So nobody will be turned away. <laughs> um, so while we're talking about that, um, ID laws. I, I've showed up one time and my driver's license was expired. Um, can you walk us through uh, what people need to bring? Um, what okay. happens if they run into a, a, a speed bump like that? All right. So here are the, there's multiple forms of ID that can be utilized in our state. Uh, one, of course, is the Oklahoma driver's license. Uh, there also is like your voter ID card mm-hmm. that is issued by your Canadian County Election Board. Uh, they also, in some cases, have issued temporary voter ID cards for people that had just registered maybe late to vote. Your U.S. passport would work. Also in Oklahoma, we have a, a mobile ID app. And if you've not yet oh. done that, that might be something you want to take into consideration. You can download that on your smartphone. And um, it's kind of interesting because it makes your face kind of look like um, all of the newspapers in Harry Potter, where you look kind of <laughs> three-dimensional. So uh, if, you, if you would go and uh, download the OK Mobile ID uh, you can have your ID right there on your smartphone. Also, there's Oklahoma state ID cards that are issued to people maybe that don't have a driver's license and just mm-hmm. need a state ID. Uh, U.S. military, of course, is always uh, accepted. And any other such document that might be issued by a state or even a federally issued one, like maybe, for example, like a tribal government mm-hmm. okay. might issue yeah. cards to their members. And those are also acceptable. And, you know, just since we're on the topic, uh, the uh, marijuana license is also issued by the state. So it would work. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay. I have a question about there. We were just talking about mail-in ballots and standing in line. And um, that's happening in Oklahoma County and counties everywhere. So right. Whenever there are so many people voting early, the total I saw today was already over 300,000. Does that, right? Does that, do you expect like a massive turnout or do you think because of the pandemic, people have already, they're trying to vote and not come to the polls? Like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen Tuesday? Everyone we are told dog? to anticipate, we are told to anticipate a record turnout more than we have ever seen before. That's great. To vote in an election. I think it's awesome because when you think about the percentage of people that that are actually voting mm-hmm. versus the percentage that are not, I mean, you know, basically you're giving your voice away if you're not voting. Yes. Right. And your your strongest voice is at your local level. Yes. And I know that everybody is only yes. talking about the presidential election, but oh, there my. are some important things on this ballot. Yes. That, it, that will affect our state. And that's where our voice counts the most. So I encourage everyone to get out there and vote. I will tell you this morning after I dropped my daughter off at school, I drove by the Canadian County Election Board, which uh-huh. you already mentioned I'm a Canadian County resident and proud of it. Um, and the line is wrapped around the building already oh, first man. thing this morning at 8 o'clock. Democracy. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So one of the, so just to backtrack a bit. Um, 
as the inspector, which I feel like is a very fancy term, and I just need you to have like a special hat. Um, but it's like I want a, I want a theme song like da 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 inspector Tressa. Okay, you yes, you've earned it absolutely. Um, like your your children and family should be doing that for you. Um, please refer to me as Inspector Mom. Thank you. We can probably um, make that I happen. Agree. <laughs> so what? Ha- okay, so. Everybody who is in line at seven gets to vote. So that's like you were mentioning is going to, I mean, the line could be long at the very end of the night and you've, you know, walk us through what happens at the end. I want to know what, what your job is. Like, I think is, is, is the drive from the polling place to the County, like the most nerve wracking, are you like very cautious and like very yeah. carefully yeah. stopping at every stop sign and like, and so tell us, what is happens? there a police escort? I know. I mean, like, how does it happen? What? Yeah. So what? So what happens? I've like I've never even thought about that. But Do you drive is... a different route every time? Yeah. Okay. So as you are well aware, because you've been to vote, our voting system is like an electronic little uh, thing where you feed your ballot. Yeah. In. Which my so my children fight over whose turn it is to do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Because it's, it's really the coolest thing ever. It is and super it can fun. go in. It can go in right side up, upside down. You know, oh, it takes it, it either way and reads oh. it either way. And then it drops into a locked box beneath. So that top part. So at the end, myself and the other two poll workers lock all the exterior doors, and uh-huh. we begin the shutdown procedure. And. So basically what the shutdown procedure happens, because that's a little computerized unit, Mm -hmm. you're going to run a report and it comes out like on a tape that looks like a grocery store um, receipt. You get at the receipt, a receipt like at Walgreens, you know, and, um, but not as long as Walgreens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or, or like at CVS always gets a bad rap on that. But, um, anyway, and you run four of those. Because what you're going to do then is you take those paper ballots out of the bottom and you put them in boxes Uh and you seal them with a special seal that's given to us by the Canadian or the election board. Uh And you put one of those tapes in the box with all of the ballots. Then you seal it. Everybody that's there has to sign the seal Uh so that we ensure that the seal is is in place. Uh Um, So... What's, what's brilliant about our process in Oklahoma, and we have won a Smithsonian Award for our process. Yeah, because we, we not only have secure. an electronic count, we also have a paper ballot backup. Yes. yes. And so then we seal all of those things. Then we shut down the whole process. Uh-huh. That large electronic thing that you fed it through actually ends up being a suitcase. The, the top what? folds back down. What? And we have a lock and it lifts off of that box that it sits on where all the ballots have been contained within. And then you put the seal back on that. And so then that memory is also in place. Not only do you have multiple copies of the data that's held within, but then you have that, that thing that's going to be returned as well. And it is heavy. It's like a behemoth. Let me tell you. Can I say that is um, very inspector gadget. Like that is oh, totally. very- <laughs> that's, that's, Yes. And so typically then you take one of those receipt type things to the door of your polling location, because a lot of people just like to know yep. how their neighbors or the people at their polling place voted yep. or how things, 
were compared to how they look on the state level or on the county level. And so you post one of those there. You put all of this stuff, and then I put it in the back of my car and shut the top down. After we've got everything closed down, we all walk out together. The other two make sure that I am in secure in my vehicle and that I leave securely mm-hmm. from the site. And then I drive to the election board mm-hmm. here in my county, and we line up, and uh, you do not even have to get out of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. I just raise the back of my vehicle, mm-hmm. and they have uh, they utilize trustees from the local uh, um, jail, the county jail here mm-hmm. in Canadian County, mm-hmm. and they load everything out and put it on carts. And there are employees from the Canadian County Election Board that are there to check off that you have everything. You sign mm-hmm. off that you delivered everything, you know, in person, and they wheel it in, and all of those paper ballots are locked in a specific room and there is law enforcement there to ensure all of those things get in there. And wow. then they put a special seal on the door what? and they lock it. Every box is sealed and then the door is sealed and then they lock it. Wow. And then there's a certain period of time post election mm-hmm. that if any election is ever challenged and it can be anything from a school board, you know, bond mm-hmm. issue election to a, to, you know, whatever, if anything is ever challenged and they require then a paper ballot count, everything is there and they have to take it because that is determined by a court. Mm -hmm. They can wheel all of that into the courthouse and everything has a seal. The officer that has broken the seal has signed off that, yes, the seal was still in place on the door, blah, blah, blah. And then they, everything is just handled real systematically from there. To yeah. take care of the paper vote. We find it fascinating. It's, I mean, it's amazing. I did not know that all that stuff. I mean, you just take it for granted. You go and you and you vote and you go home and then you watch for the results. Right. And like, it's Inspector Gadget's involved. The police are involved. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, it's really reassuring though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, right. you know, well, I mean. And that's why, that's why I'm like, when people talk about, um, you know, how easy it would be to, you know, make something fraudulent. No, no, it would not be easy at all. It would be no. almost impossible based on the way we do it. I don't know how other states do it. I can only talk to you about Oklahoma, and I can it's tell a good you process. that you should feel very confident about your vote being counted in Oklahoma. It is a very secure process. And the inspector during the day will most likely be over by the machine mm-hmm. because sometimes it'll spit your ballot back out. You need to stand there and make sure that your ballot feeds in and then the state of Oklahoma flag appears on the screen before you walk away. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and that's why we are actually there. We don't care who you voted for. We're not trying to look at anything or yeah. get any, glean any information off of anything. We are just there to make sure that your ba- that your vote is counting and that it went in and it uh, it read correctly and it didn't like get cattywampus and try to shoot it back out or anything like that or that there was a corruption of any kind because if it shoots it back out, um, you know we need to feed it back in or if there's like a mark somewhere off and it's like misreading then we can issue a second ballot or whatever but. You just need to make sure that you stand there at that reader, feed it in, and then the, the Oklahoma flag will appear on the little ID screen. And then you know that your ballot has been accepted and counted. Well, 
we thank you for your time and we thank you for your service to the state. And we have learned so many no fun facts. No joke. I mean, seriously. And so Godspeed on Tuesday. <laughs> it is going to be... A- <laughs> Yes. I, Please be patient be. with your poll workers and pray for us you know, during this crazy time. But like, you know, the pay isn't great. The bathroom breaks are rare. <laughs> it's very much like teaching. So, Oh, the, for sure. And, and you know, now that you wear a mask and a shield, how would you even eat your lunch? This is the <laughs> question that this big girl wanted to know. <laughs> well... We, we appreciate your time, Tressa, and we appreciate your service to the state, and uh, we wish you well on Tuesday. Thank you for being with us Absolutely. on Friday, Oprah. Absolutely, and happy voting, everyone. And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. Uh, just one big announcement today. Uh, check the OEA election guide. Check the voter portal so that you can look at your ballot before you go to the ballot box. You can find both of those things on uh, links through the OEA website, okea.org slash vote 2020. Be kind to the poll workers. Wear a mask and vote. Yes. Vote, vote, vote. Whether you're going to vote early or if you're going on Tuesday, just make sure you vote. I I decided to vote uh, by mail this time. And I had a little bit of a panic moment when the weather started to take a turn. So I, I actually drove mine to the county election board and turned it in. And like walked through the slush to get in there. Realized I forgot my mask. So I turned around and went back to, all the way across the parking lot because it was packed. Went back. Realized I forgot my ID. Went back to my car, got my ID, and then successfully turned in my Success. ballot. And, th- and it was right there. I checked the voter, voter portal. At the end of the day, it said received. Good. So they'd already processed it. And so, yeah. Did, have you voted already? I have not voted. Uh, what is your plan? My plan, well, my plan is if, uh, actually, my plan is to vote on Tuesday. Oh, snap. Just because uh, we couldn't walk for candidates during the Cold weather. Yeah. My plan was to go and turn my ballot in yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. But um, but we're we're walking yep. and knocking today yep. and tomorrow, and so um, so Tuesday's my Tuesday. Tuesday's is. my my plan B. Send send us a selfie, but of you in the giant line. Or that would be if I went and tried to vote today too. Right. My right. No. 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 I'm. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It, either way, I'm. I'm excited that people are engaged. I mean, so we had we had a meeting yesterday, and 76 million people, as of yesterday afternoon, had already voted in the United States. That's insane. 50 million through um, absentee balloting, yep. and 26 million with early voting, and so okay. that uh, that was. Like it was 75% of the number of people in total that had voted in 2016 what? have already voted. That's uh, people are pumped. I'm yeah. excited. I hope what I, whatever, uh, remember whenever medical marijuana was on the ballot yeah. and there were a million people in line, everybody came out to vote. And I just wanted, 
I, I kind of kept it to myself, but I was like, feel free to come back. Voting's <laughs> free. You can come back and vote in municipal elections if you want. Like, yeah. come back, come back. Come back and vote. A- and we're going to have a special edition of Friday. <gasps> That's right. On Tuesday night, we're going to be chatting with education candidates and uh, members and all kinds of good stuff on Facebook Live. So join us on you'll Facebook see, Live you'll Tuesday. You'll see our faces. Yep. Oh, We'll so brush our hair for makeup you. Makeup and we'll, actual clothes. We'll iron our things if we've got electricity. <laughs> we'll brush our hair. It, it'll be a big day. It, it's going to be fun. Well, if Felicia can get there. if She yeah. <laughs> she might do it from the pole. <laughs> um, well, we want to say uh, thank you so much to Damian Shade from Oklahoma Policy Institute. And thank you to Tressa Smith, our former member and poll worker. And thank you for joining us today on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, write, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also... You can also contact us, easy for me to say, at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight and vote for public education.